tea, toast and tactics. Sick of strategy? Let's have a brew and get into the tactical detail. Informal chats with practitioners. Hello and welcome back to Tea, Toast and Tactics. This week we talk to Fred. Fred is fortunate enough to have commanded both cavalry and infantry soldiers at the platoon level. We talk about command on exercise and in barracks. We talk about the difference between infantry and cavalry soldiers and what these two organisations can learn from each other. Fred, thank you for agreeing to talk to me today. Not at all. Introduce yourself and explain why you're in a position to talk about tactics. Okay, cool. So I commissioned from Sandhurst in December 2016 and joined uh, the Household Cavalry and did uh, two years as a cavalry officer. I went on exercise in Oman and Canada to Batas. And after having done just over two years with the Household Cavalry, I then did PCD, did P Company, and then came over to 3 Para to take over command of the Guards Parachute Platoon. Uh, since then, I've done a few low-level exercises in the UK, and then I got back from a scary storm in Kenya just over a month ago. So I've had sort of a bit of cavalry experience and a bit of infantry experience as well. Which is unusual because most people would join the cavalry and get some experience there or join the infantry and get some experience there, both combat arms, clearly, um, but with very different roles. Yeah, exactly. So what, what was your role as a troop commander in the cavalry versus as a platoon commander in the infantry? Yeah, so in the cavalry... As a troop leader, you've got uh, four vehicle platforms. So I was in armoured reconnaissance unit, four vehicles, scimitars. Each scimitar has three soldiers in it. It's got a commander, a gunner and a driver. And you operate in that, in the, amongst that troop at reach, often up to 10, 15 kilometres in front of the forward line of own troops, conducting reconnaissance, trying to identify enemy positions and so on, and then report it back to hire an armoured reconnaissance unit. And that's juxtaposed to an infantry unit where you are what's ahead of you. The reconnaissance has already been done, but your role is to close with and kill the enemy. And the pace of battle is a lot slower. You are in some ways less reactive because you know, a lot of the information is given to you already, but it's a lot grittier and it's a lot more physically demanding and at times challenging as well. It's interesting to hear, hear you say that it's more physically demanding because I, I guess normally a, a cavalry officer would just say that the, the physical demands are different from being in a vehicle for hours and hours on end versus walking everywhere. But you, good to hear you say it actually is harder. Yeah, definitely. Certainly when you finish Sandhurst and you go and do your armoured reconnaissance course, the mounted element, you, you're still exposed to the same trials that you get on an infantry course where you're sleep deprived and all the rest of it and actually you do the dismounted reconnaissance you do as part of your armored cavalry course long insertions to subsurface ops and so on is very physically degrading but it doesn't quite have the same attrition that you get with platoon attack after platoon attack or so it's you know definitely more physically degraded at the end of an infantry exercise compared to a cavalry one i mean just for light roll infantry which is what three para are once they've their airborne infantry parachute infantry but once mm. you're on the ground you're walking everywhere so that adds i suppose to the physical demands yeah absolutely absolutely and certainly an airborne infantry unit you 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 amplify those those stresses and strains on your body because you're you are operating often with less logistical support than the rest of the infantry right let's talk about 
But the, just the difference in the two troop commanders course, or rather the troop leaders course and the platoon commanders battle course. Yeah. Significantly different beasts. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, so if we just talk specifically about the, the, the tactical side of it, because like, when you do your cavalry phase two, you have some time where you learn about the gunnery and the signals and so on, which is uh, a very different beast. But when you get to your purely the tactics aspect of it, which is conducted at Warminster out of the Reconnaissance and Armoured Tactics Division, it's it's very much it, the uh, part of it mirrors the light roll reconnaissance course that infantry recce platoon commanders do. And it's very much focused on initially on navigation and on, on low level reconnaissance. So you do an exercise in scout Land Rovers to, to understand how to move vehicles tactically. And it's getting comfortable with not seeing your neighboring call sign because very much in an infantry context, generally you can see your sections, you can see where everyone's moving. And it's just being comfortable with that idea that actually your nearest call sign would be a kilometer, two kilometers away from you. And that takes practice. So that's that's a big part of it. And the other thing is you do it with NCOs. So unlike PCD, which currently is run separately from from the senior division, platoon sergeant battle course, you run it with with NCOs. And actually, it's a massive um, help. You learn a huge amount from the NCOs. And what you give back to them is an understanding of the combat estimate. So there's a kind of each side helps the other. And it means that when you get to your unit, you've got a load of NCOs that you well, and it kind of forges those, those relationships before you get to unit. Um, by comparison to the platoon commander's battle course in Brecon, you're, you're competing against the environment. Brecon is, is a pretty hideous training area to operate on, particularly in the winter. But it builds very much on what you've done at Sandhurst. So the, the situations are more complex. But you know the reality is that the basic low-level tactics that you learned at Sandhurst, essentially, just you just dig into those in more detail. And it's interesting to you say that, because I found when I got to Brecon, part of me was expecting that there'd be some sort of, there'd be lessons in, in tactics that I would go through that were incredibly interesting or would illuminate something that you, you didn't find out when you were going through Santos, which is based on an infantry course as a, as a vehicle for leadership. But, but actually there's only the basics and you just get better at them. Would you say that's, that's yeah, definitely. accurate? Yeah. I think if you took a platoon sergeant and showed them a Santos senior term platoon attack, they'd say, yeah, largely you've got the, the bare bones there, but that's not a platoon attack. And really, I think PCD is about getting those basics right and and doing them to to a good standard, so that when you get to get to unit, what you're doing, and it's a brilliant course. And and also you throw in additional elements like FIWAF and urban urban warfare as well. So there's there are levels of complexity that are put in there as well. FIWAF is fighting in woods and forests. For those who don't know, we touched on we touched on the tactics in the two courses. Let's talk about when you actually got into into platoon and platoon command or troop leading. What's the difference tactically? What's the difference between commanding a troop in an armoured reconnaissance regiment and commanding a platoon in an airborne infantry regiment? So I think, as I sort of touched on earlier, that the in a in an armoured cavalry unit, your your role is is to control your troop, maintain balance with the rest of the squadron, but also you're very much almost your own section. So you command your own vehicle. You are, you're the 
the guy that loads the GPMG. You're the guy that puts three rounds in the 30 mil and does all the stoppage drills on those weapon systems when your gunner, who sits just to your right, uh, gets a stoppage. So you're very much involved in some of the much lower level stuff that you wouldn't get involved in in an infantry context as such. And so you actually have a hell of a lot on your plate. So you're, you're navigating your own vehicle, you're commanding it, so you're trying to move it tactically through the ground as best you can, staying in the low ground, not exposing yourself and so on. You're controlling your troop. You're trying to send sit reps and reports up to higher. And certainly in a reconnaissance unit, your reports uh, go often straight to the commanding officer because if you've got critical information, you're on the battle group net and you've got a battle group net in one ear, you've got a squadron net in the other ear, and you could have both of them going off at the same time. So there's a hell of a lot to think about. And what it's all about really is maintaining good situational awareness because you can't see the rest of your troop. You just have to track them where they are on a map. And if our vehicle fleet was immaculate, which unfortunately uh, is not always the case, you'd have a computer system which would be able to do that for you. But the reality is that a lot of the time you're tracking people yourself by making a mark on your map where your Charlie or Delta call sign were last sent up a, a lockstep and you're just tracking them as they move through the battlefield. I'm ensuring you cover the ground as best you can. Which isn't a bad uh, skill to practice. I mean, you know, a GPS contested environment might be one we find ourselves operating in or somewhere where having uh, continual pings. Although it's different, I suppose, for an armoured cavalry unit because you move relatively quickly. But having that continual ping of where your where your forward line of own troops is might not be something that you choose to have in your emission control. Emission control? MCON yeah. measures. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly when I went to, to Canada to Batus with the Hansel Cavalry, we were doing a strike experimentation exercise where we're trying to to develop the whole strike concept as the army moves towards Ajax, which is this new vehicle platform which is gonna replace scimitar and create strike brigades and we did a lot of experimenting in in canada to try and work out how can we reduce our our signature in terms of mcon and and producing a radio signal we did a lot of operating on radio silence and even did some quite weird and wacky things we we even experimented with using electric electric mountain bikes to pass as dispatch riders to pass orders between different squadrons and so on but yeah, so there's there's lots of there's lots of things and different ways to approach these problems. And I think being a reconnaissance unit, you have to generate these ideas and, and experiment with them, particularly as we sort of move forward. And how does that compare then to <clears throat> commanding a platoon? So I think commanding a, an infantry platoon is your the infantry love a face to face, by which I mean getting your section commanders in, having a, a mini O group and dispelling your orders and then and then punching people out. And that's a great advantage because you get to absorb uh, what your uh, subordinates are saying, suggesting there's a good bit of dead ground over there. Let's go left flanking, whatever it is. And that's hugely helpful when you're trying to develop a plan in your head. That's not something you get to do in a cavalry unit because you're so dispersed. And it, it, in some senses, it's a huge advantage because you're pooling people's ideas and resources. But what you find it's sort of the flip side of that is in a cavalry unit, you give loose direction and then you give a lot of mission command and let your subordinates decide what to do and judge the situation, how, how they see fit and let them make the decision on the ground. 
So it, it sort of works both ways. The infantry context, you, you're pooling ideas and that's really useful. But at the same time, you you this process is slightly more clunky, a bit slower, I would say. Well, and of course, you're taking additional risk when you pull a bunch of guys together and you have that face-to-face, which is sometimes is worth the payoff. So bring the team in, quickly get that information disseminated and then push them back out again. But you are taking a risk. Yeah, absolutely. But you're putting all all of the command team in one place and all it takes is one salvo of IDF or a mortar round or whatever and you've taken out the, or the basically the entire command element from that platoon. I mean, I'm sure you've um, got your Brecon instructor's voice in the back of your head now whenever you have them together shouting at you saying, pointing out how close people are, one grenade or yeah yeah so that's that's i guess i think there's there's definitely scope for the infantry to learn elements of some of how the cavalry do it so for instance they they operate a lot with with socks so essentially radio orders and just keeping everyone dispersed but on the other hand i think the infantry are really good at digging into the detail so when you come up with a plan you religiously go through the actions on to make sure that you're covering all your bases so that should anything happen, you're able to react to it. Anticipatory orders at all levels. You're trying to predict uh, what could happen next and how, how you can best respond to it. And that's something which the cavalry don't really do. And I think that would, would be something which would be really useful uh, for them to take on board. I mean, it sounds like you're right. I think you know, the purists listening to this will point out that obviously the two organisations are doing very different jobs and have very different uh, ways of completing those jobs. So clearly your uh, armoured cavalry regiment when you're giving people uh, mission command, at my guess is, and you can stop me as soon as I'm wrong, you're basically giving the option to stop and observe something or bypass it or engage it. I mean, it's, you know, one of kind of three or four different outcomes. Yeah, and and I think the, the, the biggest aspect of mission command that you'll find in an armoured reconnaissance unit is the fact that a corporal who's commanding a vehicle may not have a neighbouring call sign for probably, could, could be even up to five or even 10K from that from them. And if they've got eyes on say, for instance, an enemy command and control node, which could change the whole concept of the brigade commander's plan. It could mean that the armoured punch that's going up the left flank actually needs to now come up the right-hand flank or whatever it is. That corporal is on the, on the net to the commanding officer or even the brigade commander saying, I've got eyes on the C2 node. You need to change your plan. And that's it's a huge amount of responsibility, which is delegated down to, to our vehicle commanders and that's really where it comes in i think so um actually i've gone a little rabbit hole on the dispersal thing because we've done a, another podcast specifically on dispersal and this is something that light roll infantry and but probably mechanized and armored probably less armored infantry but certainly light roll and i would guess some of the mechanized infantry units are coming to grips with is being more dispersed we talked about it in well, you and i on another podcast we've talked about dispersal at the company group level which is something that to begin with the the company commanders that i've spoken to felt uncomfortable doing but i imagine that's not something that you would feel uncomfortable with a cavalry background and we practiced it as a company group in kenya yeah absolutely i think i think it's it's massively important and it's becoming increasingly so looking at the ukrainians and how they've been how some ukrainian battalions have been wiped out in a matter of minutes by uh, Russian artillery. They can wipe out an entire grid square with artillery. Um, and all, that's, all that um, targeting is purely coming from someone being on the pretzel slightly too long. And I think, I think that's something that 
dispersal and MCON is becoming increasingly important and cavalry units by its very nature operates at reach but it's a lot harder for an infantry unit to to be that dispersed because you need to concentrate force and assault an objective you can't be spread out i think the difference comes is when you're coming together so the dispersal i felt comfortable with reasonably comfortable with i know that my junior commanders can map read properly and all that sort of stuff and i'm pretty confident we went through half decent actions on so if something happened we'd be we'd be all right or where we were doing the dispersed routes we weren't expecting to deal with we weren't reasonably expecting to deal with anything so i'm content with i think the the bit that's a little bit harder is when you're coming together and you've got say three infantry platoons coming together to an frv the the number of weapon systems you have and eyes all pointing in different directions all looking at different things i think it multiplies how wrong it could possibly go multiplies your chance of being on of having a blue on blue so you think your your armor your armor cavalry all come together you've essentially you're looking in well, your troop would look in four different directions at any one time. Yeah, your yeah. gunner, your driver's looking through his periscope. Your gunner and your commander are looking basically in the same. I mean, I'm sure they're also doing their they're all round defence, fives and twenties or whatever. But essentially, you've got a few vectors. Whereas when a rifle platoon comes in, you've got between twenty five and thirty different people all looking in different directions, all potentially bumping into people. Your potential for blue on blue as you come together increases massively, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think if if an enemy patrol were switching off on enough to realise that you've got two platoons coming together, to, to spring an ambush or whatever at that point would be... It's going to be you're, carnage. You're, you're relying on, on the... You're, you're making the best of the opportunity of that chaos where no one knows who, who anyone else is. And probably one shot fired by the enemy would be enough to for one platoon to wipe out the other it's 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 a huge when for instance you're moving uh, dispersed routes from a company to, to a company fup and then you're all coming together again that's surely the most the most vulnerable point yeah definitely and you're mitigating one type of vulnerability so you don't want the whole company to get picked up and wiped out by indirect fire but you're you're accepting another vulnerability yeah Low level tactics there, I think, is 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 absolutely key. So, yeah, working backwards from where you select your FUP or the you know, the final rendezvous before you move into the forming up point, those you got to think of that from the eyes of the defender. Have they done a bit of preparation of their battlefield? Do they think that's somewhere you're likely to form up? If they do, they'll either have indirect fire or some sort of direct fire waiting there for you. And that would absolutely catch a, a company out if it was attempting to come together. Be horrific. So yeah, you've got absolutely. to you've got to get that got that got to get that bit right. I think, I think that comes down to rehearsals with with the recce platoon because if they're going to mark the the FUP, ensuring that you go through religious rehearsals with them to ensure that who everyone else is and what's happening. Yeah. And make sure you got your friend from foe control measures in place picking those places so yeah certainly while we were in kenya yeah i took advice from our patrols platoon on where to go but it's really easy to pick a wadi or a road or somewhere with a a feature and we probably teach in our tactics courses that clear features are easy control measures so we should use those but that makes them vulnerable avoiding avoiding those even though it's harder to find your way to a forming up point that's in a bush or somewhere that's not in a really obvious place that's 
that's probably actually a safer place to do it. Depending on the capability of the uh, enemy you're fighting against, if you're fighting an enemy who don't seem to have the sort of discipline to put claymores out and do standing patrols of areas like that, then yeah, right. If you if you were to make a comparison to an armored maneuver that's that has similar risks, it would be an obstacle crossing because that's one of the hardest things you can do in an armored context is is conducting an an obstacle crossing to get a squadron or a battle group over a river or through a minefield or whatever it is 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 such a long-winded process if that's where i think the cavalry can learn a lot from the infantry is that just rehearsals and and, and drilling down uh, into the detail to ensure that you've got your control measures correct before you move into it because certainly both in canada and in oman on safe zero three it was it was always the obstacle crossings that that caused problems um, for us, it's such a vulnerable point. Yeah, it's a vulnerable and a complex operation to, to pull off um, when you've got so many different things going on. How did you find rock drilling? This is a, a theme I've talked about with a company commander. Uh, I'd be interested in the platoon commander's view on rock drills. So rehearsal of concepts for those that don't know. I think that should form the big, the biggest part of, of the time that you allocate to orders should be, really should be rehearsals because it's it's for a private soldier to assimilate an hour and a half's worth of one or two people standing in front of them delivering a set of orders to them it's hard to, to, to sort of absorb all that information and then if you add on top of that the fact that they've probably just come off stag they've barely slept for the last few days and they're exhausted they're probably sitting with, with a head torch on trying to take notes in a notebook it's really really difficult to assimilate that sort of information and i think a lot of soldiers learn better by doing it and there's no better way of 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 getting that down to them by than by doing a rehearsal of concept perfect i I mean i couldn't agree more we've talked about reducing our orders process to to less less direct speaking to people and taking notes and putting more more emphasis on the rock drill yeah and, and in fact my directing staff at pcd two of them were from from one para and both of them said that the way that they like to operate is to give a much larger proportion of the time to to rock drills and keep the orders process essentially just to sort of coordinating instructions and an enemy forces paragraph mm. and then just keep focus really on the rock drills. We talked a bit about tactics now. Is it different being in camp? How do infantry and cavalry soldiers compare? Well, I suppose the first point is is I suppose that the big comparison is cavalry cavalry soldiers have to do the barb test to a slightly higher standard than the infantry so i would say probably your raw material coming into the unit is probably slightly more has probably a slightly better situational awareness slightly more switched on but they've not been through itc and you know itc's uh proven concept to produce high quality private soldiers who've got that grit uh, and determination that you don't really get to the same extent in a cavalry unit. So you're you're kind of it's a slightly different beast, I would say. The other thing is that your a, a cavalry soldier has a lot of very specific training that they have to do. So they need to uh, master signals. They need to master what they call DNM. So essentially, be a, a mechanic for for that vehicle platform that they operate on. And they also need to get to grips with the gunnery as well. So being able to operate a 30 mil cannon 
strip it down and so on is a lot more complicated than than, than an SA80. So there's a lot of skills they've got to master. So they need to be more switched on is the first point. Whereas the infantry soldier need, just needs to be, I suppose, initially their skill set doesn't need to be as complicated. It's a lot more simplistic, but they need to have that, that grit uh, to dig deep um, when they're, for example, three weeks into an exercise in Kenya and in the defensive phase and it's uh, 35 degrees plus and sat in a trench or whatever it is. So it's that sort of thing, which I think is, is, is the difference really between, between the soldiers. I'm just thinking, so uh, I'd say, hmm, I think it, it's all fair. I obviously, I immediately want to come to the defense of the infantry soldier and how complex it is now compared to it was. So you think like the, just in the time I've been, the amount of different optics that are available to an infantry section has, has multiplied massively. But actually that's probably the section commander where the, where the big difference is as in they are the ones the section commanders and the two ICs are probably the ones that understand how all the kit works a bit better I I think that's that's really where you see the difference I think a section commander within an infantry unit is they know their job role uh, so well they're 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 all over their skill at arms they're all over their tactics and they've they've got a huge amount of experience and that's makes being a platoon commander in an infantry unit uh, a hell of a lot easier when you've got NCOs that really know their their job role, and I think that's really where you notice the difference is the quality of an infantry corporal in the field is 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 really awesome. And I suppose in a cavalry unit, as I said, it's it's the mission commanders there and their their confidence to deliver a report uh, all the way to the top is there. But they're they're different. The NCOs are are, are a very different beasts. I think when you look at what an infantry an infantry corporal so he may not have that, might not have the eyes on something that might change a brigade commander's plan. And that takes a particular type of trust, I suppose, type of very different viewpoint from mission command. But then when you look at what you expect from a, an infantry corporal, who's probably 22, 23, same as a cavalry corporal, but he's got seven soldiers, if we're lucky, and he has a full section who he is responsible for. So being a role model uh, and a real leader. Of those people because I, I think he they that's where our that's certainly where the infantry's real leadership is or where most of our leaders are is at section level so they've got to be a role model for those people in camp and in the field and also be a master of those tactics of those weapon systems all of that stuff and you can call it low level you can call it what you want but that is where the real grit is happening the person who is with the grenadier jumping in the trench first all the way through to making sure that the lads are eating their food. We touched a little bit, Fred, on things that the two organisations could learn from each other. But do you want to pull out some specific examples? Yeah. So I've sort of mentioned it already, but for me, that the the thing that the infantry could learn from the cavalry is is about being comfortable with not knowing exactly what's going on, and it's just I think that's just comes with practice. So not knowing exactly where one of your sections is or whatever but just being comfortable that actually they're being led by uh, a a quality nco who knows the overall plan and will just crack on and just get the job done and i think there's there's definitely a definitely drilled into you that you need at all times you need to know exactly where everyone is and what they're doing so that you can influence the battle but actually if you can just release people and have trust that they they know what they're doing and, and how their part fits in with the larger plan that's I think that's that's a really useful thing and it speeds up the process. So that's 
what the infantry could learn from the cavalry. What the cavalry could learn from the infantry is almost the, the, the opposite. And it's not having the eye for detail. And it's not really digging into the actions on. It's really digging into the coordinating instructions. And I mentioned obstacle crossings because I think it's you know one of the more complex tactical actions you can do in an armored unit. I think if the cavalry could overlay an infantry's plan uh, and how they plan onto an obstacle crossing, they, they would run a lot smoother and, and it would be hugely beneficial uh, to a squadron or a battle group obstacle crossing if they if they overlaid that, that those concepts. Yeah, sounds good. What are cavalry soldiers like to manage in camp versus infantiers? So there, there's so many different specialities that cavalry, cavalry soldiers have to have to master that actually the management side of it is slightly more complicated because you have to keep track of who's done what courses. And I'm sure this is not just a cavalry thing. It's across a lot of the corps that there are a lot of specialist skills that they can't promote unless they've passed their part one signals, their uh, basic B3 gunnery course or whatever it is. And and this is, know, of course, all at the troop level versus in yeah. a in an infantry company where the specialists are in separate platoons. Yeah, exactly. But on the flip side, you've only got 12 guys in your troop. So your your man management is is simplified in that sense and of of those 12 three of them are you've got two corporals and you've got a sergeant and then probably you've got four lance corporals so actually you've got it's quite top heavy so that makes things easier whereas from an infantry perspective if your soldiers want to stay within a rifle platoon or as they move through their career the the stepping stones that they have to to get across to progress in their career a lot more straightforward you know exactly that once someone's passed their potential non-commissioned officers course or drill and duties or whatever you, each unit calls it the next thing that they need to focus on is section commander's battle course so it's it's a lot more formulaic which makes the management of their careers a bit easier but you've you've got you've got 30 blokes to deal with so that that takes up more time Well, Fred got a little bit boring there, so we cut him off. But thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Head to waverroom.com or to our social media if you want to join in the conversation. See you next time.